Jurassic Park 3 minutes, where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we are back to discuss minute 50 of Jurassic Park 3. David, the big 5-0. Yeah, yeah, we're we're technically over halfway done with it now at this point because um, it's funny because I think I mentioned this last or maybe a few minutes ago that we did where unlike a lot of Spielberg's uh, well not a lot of Spielberg's movie but unlike a couple of Spielberg's movie particularly Jurassic Park The Lost World and Jaws there's that big kind of creature attack in that like the very center of the movie. Mm. And Jurassic Park 3 doesn't have that. It doesn't. It gets the vehicle attack and strands them on the island kind of early in the movie. And then you have the big Pteranodon set piece that we have later in the movie. And then you have the Spinosaurus attacking the barge even further later in the movie. But you don't have this big center of the movie um, attack scene. Yep. Really. Well, action sequence, yeah. I like the... The, around the center, we didn't really mention it while there, but I think that's around the uh, getting out of the lab or inside the lab. Mm. So you've sort of got the raptor chase there and then into the field. But yeah, when you compare that to the T Rex attack and the uh, old T Rex breakout and the trailers on the cliff, it's it's definitely not the best amongst those three. Yeah, really. I mean, it. I mean, if you were to label that as the center kind of attack of the movie, that raptor attack as they're exploring the labs it's interesting because it just becomes then so much more anticlimactic i guess you could call it yeah definitely you know what this is that's yeah, a raptor claw I used to have one fossil mine is now all right um heading over to jurassic-pedia.com for our daily uh daily dose of knowledge over there um this entry here i thought was Pointed to today's conversation more so later on when we get to the novel where uh, it's hinted that Eric's had more adventures on the island that he's not willing to tell Grant about. And there's a uh, entry here on Pedia for Iggy the Iguanodon, which um, when Eric's first strand on the island, he encounters the uh, young juvenile Iguanodon and um, it ends up saving his life for some reason or another. But um, later on, unfortunately, it's a surrounded and attacked by raptors and. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, it could be where he got that raptor claw. It's alluded to later on in the novel that, um, how he got it is something he doesn't want to tell Grant about either. <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't see him as a 13 year old anymore. So, I think this is just proof again. I really need to get these short stories and comics and have a look through it. And the other thing, <clears throat> and we'll talk more about the raptor claw as we come into next minute, but that's uh, definitely some, one of those kind of more like, wait, how did he get that? Yeah, yeah. We... That's, not even, that's not even brought up quite like the TRXP is where Grant looks at him and is like, where did you get this? He just kind of accepts it, you know? Mm. Like, oh, uh, cool, 13-year-old found a brand new raptor claw. <laughs> well, you'd probably get the same response from Eric again, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, yeah, we we had a bit of a discussion on that P. We're going to have one on the claw as well when we get there. Mm. Um but yeah, head over to Jurassic-pedia.com for that and more articles going up, uh, new articles going up each week. What do you say? What are you looking for? David, ready to get into minute 50? Sure, yeah. All right. As we're in minute 49 of Jurassic Park 3, Paul and Amanda were talking amongst themselves, and we probably don't need to revisit that. As we're in minute 50, 
we cut to that gorgeous shot of the morning sun peeking into this Lasorna jungle. At the two second mark we cut to the roof of the water tanker as one of the three hatches is opened and Eric scans the local area for any danger or sign of the raptors. Inside Grant grabs a pair of binoculars and puts them in his backpack and follows Eric out of the tanker. At the 25 second mark after Grant hands Eric his backpack he also hands Eric Billy's camera bag and the two start to make their way from the tanker across the underbelly of an upturn SUV towards the bank of the swamp. At the 36 second mark, we cut to a trunk of a tree in the jungle as a man's foot emerges into the camera view. Billy jumps down to the jungle floor and scans the area for any sign of the raptors or danger. At the 56 second mark, he looks back over his shoulder and gives a wave, motioning for Paul and Amanda that it's safe to come down. And this ends Minute 50 of Jurassic Park 3. Uh, as we open on Minute 50, we get a continuation of the sun sort of shining through the jungle foliage as uh, morning breaks on this sauna. And we cut mm -hmm. to the hatch on top of the water tanker as uh, Eric opens it and well, opens it slightly and starts to look around for any signs of danger. After seeing that the coast is clear, he opens the rest of the, the door the rest of the way and it clangs back on the uh, roof of the tanker itself. Yeah, they really got that morning fog machine going on in this scene and it's interesting because at the very opening of this minute we get to see, we see the um same kind of effect wafting through the trees as the last minute closed hmm. and that i'm not sure if it's a set or if it's just something some b-roll they shot on location because it doesn't really look like a set you know yeah 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 well they're going for this feel of um early morning the fog sort of hanging low we're going to see a lot more fog when we get to the river and the canyons but mm -hmm. it's sort of setting up that it's early morning here and the fog hasn't rose yet when we get when we get to it later when the two are walking away from the tanker thanks to hd we actually see on grant's watch that or sam neill's watch that's so 20 past seven so mm -hmm. there was an early shoot in the morning so if they were on location um at hawaii or anywhere else they were filming you probably would have had that natural fog that, mm -hmm. they, that they would have had to smoke machine on set to try and match. Yeah. I'd know that when, and this is something I'm kind of ex looking forward to again when I return to the Redwoods here, coming up in a few weeks. By the time this minute airs, it'll probably be like a week or so, I guess. Mm. I'm graduating tomorrow, so <laughs> this is flying by fast. But yeah, the morning mist, the vlog that comes rolling off from the ocean and up and kind of braces up against the mountains it it looks really really cool and it creates great thematic and atmospheric shots and it's just beautiful yeah yeah a couple of weeks ago i was camping down the river here and same thing just at six o'clock when there's a um sun starting to rise and you're just getting that mist coming off the river <laughs> and you just see the sort of the um uh, the convection kind of like the convection of it coming off the water and up the banks of the river um, mm -hmm. and up into the sky it looks fantastic I've got no hope of being able to photograph, take photos of it properly but um, some people with more talent like yourself would certainly be able to uh, purvey the beauty on screen mm -hmm. it's interesting because the um, the way the, or at least the direction of the sun in a way almost makes me think or think that they filmed the them climbing out of the uh, the tanker here at the same time they filmed them going into it you mm. know 
I was just because I was thinking of, that. You <laughs> were he yeah. yeah. Just because of the way the sky looks and the way the sun is hitting the tanker, you know? Mm. So it was probably some one of the like early morning shoots and they just filmed both of them back to back. Yeah, because oh yeah, definitely it looks like the sun's shining down on the angle towards like the way the tanker's laying and in previous minutes when we they went into the tanker the sun shone down through the hatch. So yeah, I wouldn't surprise if it's um they've just <laughs> recorded them going into the tank and then recorded them coming out. Real simple. Yep. <laughs> but um, while he's uh, doing this and opening the door, we get a good look at this coat slash lab coat jacket that um, we've mentioned previously, and this is probably the best shot you get of that InGen logo on it. And there's also a name tag there, which I've I've tried all sorts of photography techniques and cannot get. <laughs> that image any clear of what that name tag says yeah it's sort of interesting that it's um that it's the the green stitching on the in on ingen mm-hmm. and we sort of hypothesized or you did mainly when we were at the lab that maybe there is a hydroponics department and it's mm-hmm. uh it's green later we see yellow with uh the construction mm-hmm. i mean it just kind of makes sense though to have that kind of um horticultural cloning center because as ellie mentions in the first movie well first she finds that species of veriformin that they had cloned from the contagious and then she mentions later during the lunch scene that they have species in there that they brought back that had had no idea what time period they're living in and that they're gonna act as if they were still in in the cretaceous or the jurassic or whichever time period they cloned them from yeah yeah and it's a bit of a shame they've they've sort of done that in the film where in the novel it was more so you've just picked pretty looking plants because they look good but um they're actually Mm -hmm. quite poisonous where he she's because she's a paleobotanist and needs to have some dialogue and not just let grant and malcolm go back back and forth they um they have her sort of saying all these things about the plants and sort of saying that you've created these plants as well and that sort of just raises whole new questions about cloning mm-hmm. where where they're getting the product the material from but it's something they never really tackled for the rest of the films we sort of get briefly in the lost world where we're going to hide the high hide amongst some poisonous plants but again that's just mm-hmm. something the dinosaurs don't want to eat not necessarily something that's being cloned from the uh, cretaceous or the mesozoic period well, they keep saying that well where are they getting the plant material little unknown fact, mosquitoes don't drink pure blood. I mean, the females <laughs> do, but only when they're laying eggs. The males and non-laying, non-egg-laying females eat pollen. So if you're bringing back, if you're bringing, using or mosquito and amber to basically bring back your dinosaurs, I don't see why they couldn't use the same technique just with pollen-filled mosquitoes instead of blood-filled mosquitoes, you know? Yeah, yeah, good point. And as as I, it's said numerous times throughout the franchise, InGen stockpile and this stuff, so mm-hmm. they'd have definitely a lot of material out there. Exactly, the chance of a mosquito, of them getting mosquito and amber that's all females is astronomical. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know they're getting some males in there, and the males will have pollen, and the pollen can be used to bring back plants. Yep. It also continues the sort of motif on the logo here of having that eye with the split in it that we see back at the lab too. Yeah, it's interesting because they seem to kind of like redesign the logo and then leaving the fans to kind of 
be left to kind of fill in the assum- oh, the assumptions of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we've we've mentioned it before. Okay. It's no different to the um the dinosaurs changing <laughs> changing colour in that as mm-hmm. well. It's just sort of something they do from film to film and Yeah. Something I can't remember, did Eric when he in the opening, did he have jean shorts or were they like uh full denim jeans? Pants. Uh I'm I'm certainly had some sort of shorts on. I like they'll jean shorts. Because in the close up we get here of Eric getting out of the water truck, he looks like he's um got like cut off pants, like his pants just got all roughed up and stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah, well looking at um some early screen cuts here, he's definitely got cut off those cut off jean shorts, so you can see the frayed edges around mm-hmm. the um the legs, so They've just been dirtied up a little bit. He's still got the, uh, uh-huh. the red, the red long sleeve yeah. shirt on, as well. But um, it's good that this coat doesn't fit. <laughs> it, it, he's got the sleeves rolled up. When he's walking, it's sort of hanging down below his waist as well. So mm-hmm. maybe one of the uh, more practical things that he picked up when he was at the lab <laughs> and took there. Because I'm just wondering. If there's no sort of residency at the lab itself, then you probably wouldn't find any clothes apart from these lab coats. Mm-hmm. You'd think maybe... In the original Jurassic Park, the uh, when the lab guys are putting the eggs in the incubator, they're wearing them full-body suits, aren't they? The white... Yeah, they're like wearing um, like painter suits or whatever you'd yeah. call them. I suppose they wouldn't be any good in the environment. They'd, they wouldn't keep you warm or anything at all. And you'd be white, so you'd stick yeah. out, stick out in the jungle, pretty much, <laughs> walking through the jungle like that. But uh, we cut back inside as Grant grabs a pair of binoculars and sort of puts them into his duffel bag. And off to the corner, we get a quick glimpse of uh, Billy's camera bag that's been sitting there for the night. And you also see more of that steel shelving and plastic crates behind him now, where we've got this sort of morning light shining in and lighting the area up a lot more. Um, but up above, Eric climbs out of the water tanker and slides down and clangs down onto something stuck in the water, and he looks around as Alan follows him out and hands him the bag and then hands out uh, Billy's camera bag as well. And that's when we cut back to a wider angle and get to see a good look at his tanker sitting in the swamp. And what Eric's standing on, it it looks like a steel cage or possibly a generator cage. I know sometimes... In construction, you get these sort of steel cages with doors that will hold. There's the shelving mm-hmm. in it, which makes me wonder might that might be some of the shelving that's inside the tanker itself. But um, you sort of have these cages that you can put power tools and stuff in and lock it so stuff doesn't go missing overnight. Mm-hmm. And just just forklift it off the truck and all your stuff's there. Yeah, at first glimpse, they almost look like um, like um, one of those. Uh, Air conditioners, like those air conditioner unit um, things that have just been kind of gutted and placed there, you know? Well, especially when you hear that, like, the sound it makes when he lands on it. It just it sounds like one of those boxy tin, yeah, like those air conditioner panels or boxes. Yeah, because it's just, like, one side of it's enclosed. And it's, it's, it's another case of... <laughs> Here we are, eight years later, in a wet environment like this. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be structurally sound to stand on or jump down on anymore. Especially that mesh, that fin light mesh, would probably be pretty rusty by now. Mm-hmm. No, but when, I mean, when I was like, a, those ones that are bumped up right against the uh, truck, though, those ones almost look like trapper cages, like the um, 
kind you'd trap raccoons or beavers or something in, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, we also get our best look at the uh, the water tanker itself and best mobility. It's like an early international um, water tanker or international truck. Very similar to what we got in that Fallen Kingdom toy line with the Matchbox water tanker there, but um, that one's a little bit newer. But um, I love how the amber, amber flashing light's still on the top of it. It hasn't been broken <laughs> and the air horns and that are there. It's sort of... It's a pretty... It looks in good condition <laughs> for what it's doing there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you could assume the interior and that, like most of the vehicles on the island, is just destroyed by um, smaller animals and that. Yeah. It also sort of give, makes you wonder what sort of construction was still taking place here. Um, a lot of stuff we see has already been built, already been used for a long period of time. Even the, uh, the aviary, when we get there later, we don't really see anything that's not finished on Sauna on the, across the two films and especially with what happens in a couple of minutes time where we come to the fence I wonder if the end of the fence is somewhere off to the side here and they're building that fence because it's sort of one of those plot issues where we get there and all of a sudden the two groups are on different sides of the fence mm-hmm. I don't know what why you'd use a water tanker if you're going to concrete <laughs> concrete poles and you probably wouldn't need that much water for concrete but I was thinking maybe just for employees, you know, working in the tropical heat, going to get thirsty, you know? Yeah, yep. Or if they're building building roads, you'd be um, using a water tanker to sort of wet the road down, as it's been mm-hmm. formed in that too. But uh, the camera begins to pan to the left as um, Eric leads Grant away from the water tanker itself, and they leap onto another steel structure here, submerged in the mud, and I'm looking closer and lighting up. It's actually a, an upside-down car body. Mm-hmm. I'd never had a look. I thought there was just a series of boxes and crates that they jumped across to um, conve- conveniently get to the to the bank. I thought the same. But um, having a good look there, like the the, fr- the frame, the chassis is completely gone. You can see Eric stands or the um, the hub, the like the recess where the spare tire would go in the back of it, um, down mm-hmm. against the water. The wheel arches, you can see sort of the B pillar where the two like it's got no doors on it. Um, the floor's pretty much gone. It's got no front nose clip on it either. So, I've. You'd think if you Googled upside down fold or SUV body or something, you'd see plenty of photos of wrecked <laughs> wrecked cars. But I couldn't find bugger all <laughs> from wreckers' yards or anything of an upside down wrecked car that you could sort of try and find a similar <laughs> layout to. But again, it's just, I suppose it doesn't really matter. But just again, having this car so destroyed. I wonder if uh, if this was all just left or if some sort of an attack took place, but mm-hmm. it's um, maybe another story that will never be told. Mm. That's kind of the... I mean, stuff like this, though, that's the reason I do like Isla Sorna and feel like it's more viable for stories than Isla Nublar is, because Nublar we've seen, we've seen it was basically an island, then a park, than Abandoned Park. We saw that, you know? Yeah. And Isla Sorna has so much more on it. It's where the dinosaurs were cloned. It's got so much leftover stuff. That, I mean, it's we basically know nothing next to nothing about what InGen did there besides the fact that they cloned some dinosaurs there, you know? Yeah, yeah. And to, so I suppose to counter one for Nublar, after Jurassic Park, yeah, we think we've seen most of the things we could see and sort of with Jurassic World, hey, here's these bunkers and... Obviously, a tunnel network. There, there might be, or there is some other stuff there that we haven't 
scene and even Colin putting the um, the research sign on the side of the road when the Raptors are chasing Unimog instead of having the um, the autumn uh, East Dock sign mm-hmm. in the film is just sort of, again, luring to the fact that there is more on New Blood that we haven't seen and that obviously come back in Fallen Kingdom. But, but yeah, <laughs> again, I second, yeah, second that, just all this stuff on Sauna that we just don't know. Like, even just as we said when we were looking at that CG look down at the lab, mm-hmm. there's one building, one one or two buildings or structures in that lab complex that we went into. The whole rest of that area, we didn't even see inside, so there's another story just there. <laughs> yep. But uh, that's where we leave the swamp behind. Uh, we cut back to jungle as the birds are singing loudly. Um, I suppose one other thing before we do leave here, the um, this whole area of a set or a, I'm guessing it'd have to be a set that have to lower this truck into and make it um, make it all look up like a swamp. Yeah. But I reckon they, I reckon they've done a fantastic job on it. You can see some old dead trees sort of leaning into it that have fallen in. And... I'd probably want to say it's probably even something they did on the back lot. It's probably, or maybe something that they did with um, maybe one of the forested areas of one of the studio backlots that they did, and then just added to it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder since they um, since they built that big canyon for the uh, Avery scene, we're going to get a little bit later. I wonder if they just sort of come off the side of that water, that watercourse they built at the bottom, where the mm-hmm. uh, where that pool is at the back of the the um, studio. Or the back lot. Yeah. Again, it's just another one of these little sets that we just have no behind-the-scenes photos for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Jurassic Park 3 probably has the least amount of decent um, behind-the-scenes information about it out of any of the movies, and that's including the Jurassic World movies. The Lost World is such a wealth it's more of an outlier than anything in these movies because it has so much behind the scenes material for it documentation photos video people willing to talk about their experiences who worked on these move on the movie Mm. jurassic park probably the next best after the lost world and then i'd say probably jurassic world had the best after that then Jurassic World, then Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom probably on the same probably on the same level. They both had really really good behind the scenes campaigns and a lot of people willing to discuss what they did uh, for the movie. But Jurassic Park three just doesn't have that. Every I mean I think the person who's most willing to talk is the conceptual artist um, Ricardo Delgado who occasionally posts new um, storyboard and concept art that he did on his Instagram and Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's one of them sad things. A lot of people, when uh, they're involved in something, they either didn't have a good experience with it or it wasn't mm-hmm. um, it wasn't seen as good a project as what they hoped. They, um, they just don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean... The stuff that Universal puts out isn't that good for this movie. It's just bare bones. You know? I was, well, I was trying to think before of just marketing. At least with like, The Lost World, we had the, the PS2 game and that, where you had all the extra material with the uh, introduction scenes and all that sort of thing. 
And you'd think with something that was in production for so long, there'd be enough material there to fill a, ta- a tabletop book like the other two films, or the first two mm-hmm. films. But... And that's another thing. Jurassic Park 3 was kind of where the buck stopped with um, with uh, what are the, the making of uh, books. Yeah. The Jurassic Park got one, The Lost World got one, and then they just stopped doing them. Yep. I don't know if Jody Duncan got bored with it or didn't go on it because Spielberg wasn't doing it or what, but I mean, she did a fantastic reference job with um, Stan Winston studio and there's a pretty good uh, section for Jurassic Park 3 in that in the uh, Winston Effect book, but I don't know. Mm. No souvenir magazine to add to that, that Jurassic Park and the Lost World both had, you know? Yeah, well, even Jurassic Park had a ton of magazine uh, magazines and that, like, stuff made mm-hmm. to promote the film. A lot of material there. So did The Lost World, uh, Cinefax, Bloody Disgusting, um, Couple. Yep. Or not, uh, what is that? No, Fangoria, I'm sorry, not Bloody, I think that one's newer. <laughs> it was Fangoria, I think, had the, um, had The Lost World. Hmm. I think even Disney Magazine uh, had an article about the Lost World. Funny that, wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Universal's their like biggest competitor. Yeah. But anyway, back to the jungle. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we get the the birds singing. This always seems to happen when we cut back to Paul and Amanda. <laughs> um, we cut to the jungle as the uh, the birds are singing loudly. Obviously, morning they're uh, waking up as well, and we get a foot that comes down into view, and uh, then Billy climbs down into the front of the camera and uh, he sort of looks around and swallows hard before making his way away from the base of the tree and we sort of follow follow his gaze as uh, he checks for danger and then uh, after a moment he gestures for the others to follow and um, mm-hmm. we get one of them great little shots here we can sort of see the blurry figures moving in the background but as he moves away from the camera the focus changes and here's Amanda and Paul Seemingly very high up in the top of a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, they they have no desire to uh, be lunch at night. Well, I was I was speaking more of the uh, the stunt factor of having the actors oh. up, up in up in the tree, but yeah, yeah, definitely um, staying up there away from the raptors. And we I think we might mention this when they were up there before with the raptor attack. The way these trees are set up with these large branches and that it's. It's a wonder we didn't see the raptors climb up there after him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't... It, it looks like the actors up there mm-hmm. in those trees. I don't know if there's just some CG work going here where they've taken out the strings or the, the, the safety lines or if, if there's scaffolding underneath it just to um just to sort of make this tree look higher than mm-hmm. what it actually is or, or what trick's going on here. Could be a CGI facial swap. I mean, let's yeah. admit, Jurassic Park invented the technique. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, again, thank you, HD. <laughs> you can't get away from that. Uh, it doesn't look that. Oh, that might be one of the probably the lesser effects <laughs> in Jurassic Park. Do you reckon Billy drew the short straw of going down first, or is yeah. he's just? Do you think? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. The, he got the short twig. Yeah. Well, he's just the next dinosaur expert next to Grant, so. You, you go down and see if the raptors are still there. <laughs> I wonder how <clears throat> I wonder how many sticks and that they broke off and threw down the ground to try and make noise to see if anyone would come out. 
coming out and attack him. Yeah, really. Anything else on that you want to discuss before we get into novel and script comparisons? No, I think we're good. All right. Um, there's not a lot more in the uh, the script itself. Um, again, we get um, a shot of morning on Isla Sauna and the low mist hanging tight to the forest floor as uh, Eric seals up his hideaway, hopefully for the last time. And uh, we don't get them collecting stuff out of the tanker here. We cut pretty much straight from them leaving the tanker to Eric pulling the raptor claw out of his pocket. So, um, But there's more more sort of difference in the novel and it's um it's a lot more sort of mixed matched all over the place here a lot like what the script is because we start um we sort of start the second half of the novel here after one good thing about novelizations they've got the uh the production photos in the center and there's mm-hmm. a few a few good ones here for Jurassic park free we get one of them on the uh the boat that we come to later and you can see the engine logo on it up on the uh the driver's compartment and couple of good ones with the animatronics in it as well and one with them in the lab behind the uh, reception counter but but uh again eric seals the hatch hopefully for the last time so they don't just leave the water tanker open here when they leave like they do in the film eric seals it just in case they have to come back which is a nice little touch i felt and they um as i said with the, not with the uh, script before as they leave eric shows him the raptor claw and it's all the same dialogue as the film and after he sort of says mine's new Eric uh, remembers exactly where where he um, got it from, as he says, uh, "Mine's new." And then uh, Alan then asks, "How much of the island have you explored?" And we get some more dialogue, or we'll get the same dialogue as in the film, but then there's a little bit of addition. Uh, Eric sort of says he stayed close to the compound, but um, mentally he's like, "That's not exactly true. There had been more than one time where he'd been forced to stay pretty far from the complex." Um, but if he told Doctor Grant any of those stories, the man might never look at him as a regular 13-year-old child again, or kid again, so I wonder I wonder if it was just to maybe on occasions the raptors would come through hunting or something? Oh, it might have been, yeah. Another thing I was thinking of is that possibly might have stolen it from a corpse of a raptor, you know? Yeah, well, it sort of it reminds me of um, Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> You're going to take something off a dead animal um, and then that, the other animals would fear you then. I don't know, oh, I suppose he'd be using it as a knife, wouldn't he? We don't get to see the claw itself until the next minute, but really that's the only way how he could have got it, is off a dead animal. Yeah. But uh, that's the end of uh, the novel comparisons. Dave, anything else you want to get to before we get heavy for the day? I don't think we're good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find The Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park 
is create genetically engineered theme park monsters, nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You're desk. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.